Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss, and since 2014, we've been celebrating and commiserating with world-class experts, best-selling authors, and moms around the world. Hello, everyone. I have a very special episode today. I have been wanting this mom to come on the podcast uh, forever, basically since I saw her on Dr. Oz many moons ago. Wow. Yeah. Before I knew that I'd even have the opportunity to meet you. IRL. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, everybody. I have Jamie Lynn Sigler. She's best known for her role as Meadow in HBO's The Sopranos. She's also appeared in Entourage, Ugly Betty, and NBC's Guys with Kids. She's a mom of two delicious little boys, one of whom, Sabrina, it's like, what do you, how do you start their relationship? Okay. I mean, it's complicated. I think that they're like, (laughs) they really have like, I think they have a kinship and I think that I feel like they could have a friendship that lasts. You know what I mean? Like, I like he talks about her a lot. He likes her. He respects her. She's such a strong, like, I want girls like that around him. She's in skating lessons once a week. And last night, she woke up in the middle of the night and was yelling for me. And she points to the corner and she goes, what's that thing in the corner? It looks like a monster. And it was her hockey helmet. Oh, <laughs> poor thing. You got to keep that in the garage. <laughs> That's where we keep all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, I bet your stuff starts to get stinky when they get a little older, yes. too, I bet. I'll, I'll send you the Amazon of the little drying rack. <laughs> oh, my God. So stinky. Luckily, she's but not so there yet. so cute. Was, yeah. She's on hockey skates. Oh, yeah. Because they have the same coach. They have the same yes. skating coach. And Dave is very impressed with Sabrina. <laughs> very sweet. And Bo is very happy to hear all about it. Um, he is the most darling child on the planet Aww. and I'll, I'll gush about him later. Cause we should probably just have, like moms listening are like, wow, this is so annoying. Yeah. They're just bragging <laughs> about their kids the whole time. And we don't know. Um, but he is, oh, he's such a prince. He's a good boy. I mean, look, he, he's very much a little boy in that he can be rough and he can be crazy and he can be wild. And I wish he could just sit, although he has gotten into coloring lately, which has been just coloring goalies, but whatever he's coloring. <laughs> But he said to me the other night, so before he goes to bed every night, I make him say his favorite part of the day. So he goes to bed with happy thoughts. And he usually, well, I can, like, I'll know it was like a birthday party or a baseball game, but he always makes it involve me. And I said to him like two or three nights ago, I was like, Bo, it doesn't have to be about mommy just because I'm here. You know, if if I wasn't there, it doesn't matter. I just want you to have a great day. And, you know, sometimes I'm there, sometimes I'm not. And he goes, but I want to make you happy. I know. And then so then I just, you know, feel bad that I called him an asshole (laughs) earlier to my husband. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you regret that aside. Yes. Uh, So so weird. Sabrina also includes you in all of her daily moments. By the way, it gives me like mojo and confidence when I hear, I remember when you were going to give birth to Eliza and Adam stopped me at drop off and told me that Sabrina requested me to be the middle of the night call if need be. And I was so honored and obviously would have been there in a heartbeat. So, And I didn't know that I was like, you know, Sabrina's also really obsessed with Beauty and the Beast right now because we took her to see the film. And so she was dancing around, prancing around the house with this book, you know, that first scene. Mm -hmm. Oh, she knew every word. And then 
You mentioned to me, you were like, yeah, well, I was Belle on Broadway. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't say Belle on Broadway. I think you just said I played Belle. And I was like, oh, on Broadway? <laughs> By the way, still the highlight of my life, no matter anything I've done. I mean, obviously, other than my children, but best time of my life. Okay, that was sure. 2003, 2004? 2002, 2003. Got it. And, okay, what's your favorite memory? You know, well, I grew up doing musical theater, and so to actually be on Broadway was my goal. That's all I ever wanted. And there wasn't a single night that went by where I didn't think, you know, you have these moments where the spotlight's so bright and you don't see anything and then you feel the orchestra underneath you and you're singing your heart out. And I just couldn't believe that I did it. It just was that, that was the moment for me. I don't know if I'll ever have it again, but that's okay. Cause I got it. Like I did it. I did it. I, this is my dream and I'm living it. And then every night, because I grew up on Long Island, you know, there was people always out the stage door that I knew, like a third grade teacher or somebody I did community theater with. And so that was awesome. And then also on top of it, I did it during the holiday season, which was great. I mean, New York and Christmas is nothing like it. And all the little girls would be dressed up like Belle waiting for you. And you're just their hero. And I was 21. And it was the sweetest sweetest, sweetest thing in the world. I remember one time I came out of the stage door, I had a wig cap and I just put like a bandana over it. And I was in my sweats and this little girl lost it. Like, that's not Belle. You said I was going to be Belle. I felt so bad. I ran inside and grabbed my dress and put it back on because I just, you know, you feel like an obligation. These little kids, they're three, four years old. They probably watched the movie like Sabrina a million times and they think, and they did a really good job with making it feel very similar to the movie for kids. It was so, so Disney does an incredible job with the stage of reenacting the magic. I mean, I remember when I was watching it and getting ready to go on and they give you only like two and a half weeks. No, wait, whoa, 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 stop. So I had noticed, so I was obviously singing and learning my lines at home, but you have two weeks of rehearsal, one put in with the cast on the stage. One time. One time. You can go see it as many times as you want, but one put, you follow oh my the track backstage and then one put in and that's it. And then you're on. I would have choked. Oh my God. I will say the first <laughs> moment the spotlight come on and I'm standing there with a book and I was like, oh God, book. what's my line? What's my line? I don't know what my line is. <laughs> I would have written it in the book. I should have. <laughs> now, I would, where were you <laughs> many years ago? But yes, it was truly yeah. one of the highlights of Acting my life. Acting tips from someone who doesn't trust herself. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, maybe now you know you should. You um, have good advice. That's so crazy. Because I was going to ask you, like, how the fear to be that age and I on think Broadway. And I think you're off that, that hit show, but still. I think I, now I would be much more scared than I was then. You're, I was still coming off my teen years and just <sighs> things were grooving and going and like, I don't know. I just, I just, you assume everything's always going to be okay. And maybe that's like, you know, what we're always trying to get back to. Definitely. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice time. Had you been diagnosed with MS yet? Yes. So I was diagnosed with MS when I was 20. Um, obviously it wasn't affecting me much because I was singing and dancing eight shows a week, which God. was a blessing. Um, and I remember I was told like, it was supposed to be this big secret and this big secret. And I really felt so uncomfortable with that. And I, I lived that way for a long time. But I remember 
the gentleman who played the beast, we had this, uh, Steve, we would sit on stage with our backs to the audience pretending to when he gives Belle the library mm. and she's reading the book to him. And like, I think the utensils are talking like below us. <laughs> Including and, Nick Jonas. Yes, he was my chip. How crazy is that? He used to draw me pictures during the show and leave them in my dressing room. So cute. Uh, and I said to him, I have MS. I don't know why. I just felt like I needed to tell someone. And he was so kind. And he was like, my mother has MS. And he was the first person I ever told outside of my family. I just don't know why. I just like, you know, sometimes like, you know, we said that being that young, you're fearless. But at the same time, like you don't have the wherewithal to like carry things like that, you know, these secrets like that. So it didn't affect me much in the show, but you know, it was just something that I needed. I felt like I wanted to talk about and took me obviously a very long time to be able to. I feel like you have a very good sense, like a spidey sense of who to trust and like who's in your circle. Like it seems like you have a very like loyal group of people that surround you. And I'm wondering, like, did you always have that instinct? I think I got lucky. Um, I would like to say it was my intuition of people. I should trust these people. But I think that um, I wanted to trust people also. And I wanted, I, I, I didn't know how to manage everything and articulate how I was feeling. And I was so used to just, you know, putting a brave face and dealing with it and dealing with it and dealing with it. And even today, like I still hit my walls where I'm like, this is hard, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, and obviously motherhood's taken it to another level, but I have been super blessed to have friends and family that have just fiercely protected me. And I don't know if whether they felt bad for me or they understood the levity of it, but I mean, it was baby steps. It was my family and then it was select friends. And then before Sopranos ended and like the last two seasons, I started telling people like I told Edie Falco and I told James Gandolfini and I told Robert and I told Drea. I didn't tell the creators or anything, but I just it was starting to manifest in ways where like I couldn't hold my bladder. So I like, had to run. And like people would be like, oh, Jamie, why didn't you pee before we started mm. filming and stuff? And they would be like, no, I have to, too. So they would just have my back. Or I would like look at, you know, one of them and they'd be like, hey, I need a break for a second. I'm not ready. You know, they would just give me that time. And it really didn't, it's weird. So I haven't been able to run, which is like the one thing I'm like dream about doing again for like 11 years, 12 years. And the very last time, not to be dramatic, the very last time I ever ran was when I filmed my final scene on Sopranos where I run into the restaurant it was like means the universe was kind of looking out for me and letting mm. me finish that and not having, I was still so scared. And then when I moved out here to LA, I just, I made a group of friends that were family and they, like I said, protected me. And I told, slowly told more and more people. And then telling my representation, I think was like the big hump because I was like, what if they don't want to rep me anymore? And they were both like, we got your back. We'll look out for certain things. And then I did one job where it was it was just starting to be obvious that something was wrong. And I they didn't know, but people were being really hard on me about things. And it was just miserable. And I wanted to quit. And while I was doing this job, I got pregnant with Bo by accident. So I took that as my permission to step back from this industry. And I'm just going to be a mom and it'll all be okay. <laughs> and obviously it wasn't 
But because then while I was pregnant and then early motherhood was a whole new set of fears of how my disease would affect my parenting. But like any other mom, MS or not, I mean, I just learned, you know, as I went. And I think that Bo has given me a lot of confidence and strength. And he has never, ever once asked me, why do you move like this? Why can't you run? Why do we have to sit down sometimes when you take, why do you need to take breaks? Why do you walk slow at drop off and pick up? He's never, ever, ever once asked me. And I think he gave me the confidence that like, I'm still worthy of love and opportunity despite this, because he sees me no different than anybody else. And I mean, I don't know if I'll ever be able to articulate to him like the gift that he gave me. And he gave me the confidence to come forward because, you know, after a while, it just got to be too much. And it just, it, you know, the secret was hurting me, you know, it wasn't helping me anymore. And I said to my husband, he's getting to an age where he, we're going to have to explain things. And I don't want him to feel like he has to keep a secret because I, what kind of lesson am I teaching my son that we have to keep this quiet about mommy because what people aren't going to give me an opportunity or love me or, or, or like me or want me, you know, that's, that's not the world I want to teach Bo that we can live in, you know? So he's definitely, um, the reason for all of it. I read that Cutter, your husband gave you a special bike Yes. That you can ride with Bo. Can you share a little yeah. bit about that? So there's things that I feel like I miss out on with my kids sometimes and I get bummed about. And Bo loves to ride his bike for like really long, you know, walks around our neighborhood. And, you know, my husband will push the stroller or take the dog with him. And I'm usually the one that's hanging back. And then my husband bought me a tricycle, like a grown up tricycle. And it has a big basket in the back and it's super cute. And because of that, I don't have the balance issue and I can ride with Bo. And we ride to the frozen yogurt place and it's awesome. And so there's little things that you just figure out how to still participate in life. It may not look the same as it used to, but you're still able to do it, which is great. You started, okay, your crazy TV, like, I mean, this is insane. The Sopranos. Do you say Sopranos or Sopranos? I'm just going to start off with that. <laughs> I'm like, I hold on. Let me hear now. I'm like, I feel like I've said both Sopranos. <laughs> okay. Well, that's my New York side. Okay. Of Sopranos. Okay, good. That's what I always yeah. said. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> you shoot the pilot of The Sopranos when you are 16 mm-hmm. years old. Okay, that's crazy. Yes. But you, before that, you would go into New York City to audition mm-hmm. for musicals mm-hmm. and. What made your parents, like, realize that you guys should stay in Long Island? You know, because so many kids, did you see that documentary where, like, kids move out to L.A. and they go live in, in like, like, the, the, Oakwood, the yeah. old Oakwood? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how did your parents, like, strike a balance with you wanting to be in the industry, clearly being talented enough to do it, and also giving you some sense of normalcy? Mm-hmm. I think it was my dad. My mom— my brothers were older. They were five and eight years older. So by the time I was really starting to, like, my parents could see, like, wow, this is something she really wants to do. I was 11 and 12. They were, you know, 17 and 
However, I can't do my math now. I'm tired. <laughs> Daylight savings is killing me. Um, but so my dad was the, so my mom was driving me to my, all my auditions and my singing lessons and my dancing classes and the, the theater and whatnot. And so she, I would beg them to put me into LaGuardia or the per- children mm-hmm. performance school in New York City. And my dad was like, no, uh-uh. You're going to stay in Long Island with your friends. You can go when you need to. And also, uh, he was very adamant that if my grades started to slip, I had to stop acting for a little while. So he he gave me a very big sense of responsibility at a young age. But I, I appreciate it so much now because I really did have a very normal childhood despite everything. I mean, I went and did... Um, like a national tour of a musical, the musical version of It's a Wonderful Life when I was wow. like 12 years old. And that was my bat mitzvah year. And I was like <laughs> having to send like recorded tapes back and forth to my cantor and doing my schoolwork with a tutor on the road. But I did it. Was it weird when you went back to school? Yes and no. I mean, it was gone for four months okay. and it just felt, it felt right. It felt so nice to get back to my friends and hear everything I was missed and now whose boyfriend, you know, who was dating who. Uh, but I was also living my dream. Yeah. And there wasn't any sort of, who was I hearing like about, like, there was no ostracizing of like, oh, she went off no, and did not a national. then. Cause okay. also none of my friends were into mm-hmm. acting. I was the only one. So there was no like jealousy or anything. They, and they all came to see me and like all my Annie's at the Y and everything. So what was really cool <laughs> about that was that Soprano started, oh, I just said the other way. <laughs> Clearly, clearly this is a debate that's open. I don't know. I don't know the answer. <laughs> now, I fe- this makes me feel good. Okay. <laughs> uh, that show started airing my senior year. And so my friends would come over every Sunday, Sunday night and watch. Oh it was just God. so cool because it's like they saw me from when I was nine, 10 years old and supported me in all my like rinky dink, you know, young adult theater things. So this huge professional huge job. And so it was really cool to kind of feel like I took that journey with them and that they were all there for me. Yeah. Okay. So you're like a member of one of the most iconic TV families ever (laughs) in your 2002 autobiography, Wise Girl, what I've learned about life, love, and loss. So James Gandolfini wrote that he was, I'm so proud to be Jamie's dad, quote unquote. So you were pregnant when he passed away. Mm -hmm. Obviously that would have been heart-wrenching. Yeah. Um, What did your on-screen dad teach you about parenting? Because I think there's something about like the fact that you were pregnant with Bo when you lost him. Yeah. And I, the last time I saw him, I got to tell him I was pregnant. Um, hmm. So James was like, it's funny, his character, I remember he would say, like, he he loved Gary Cooper, the strong, silent type. And that's who Jim was. Like, he was humble and kind and a hard worker. And he was some that, someone that you, like, sat back and watched. Because if you asked him, he would be like, I'm the worst. Don't learn from me. I'm terrible. I make too many mistakes. But he was just too hard on himself. You know, it, it Everyone else around him was just like, you're the greatest. He was so kind. He was so generous. He had his demons, as many people do. And he worked it through. But he was, he looked out for me. I, during the show, struggled with an eating disorder. I went through a divorce. I got my MS diagnosis. Like a lot happened in those 10 years. And he was 
always protective of me. And he, I remember one time I was going through my divorce and struggling and my MS started to flare up and I was having a hard time on the set. And he gave me his acting coach. And he's like, I want you to just feel this is not something you have to worry about. And I want you going to work with her. You take her as much as you need paid for it. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I remember like there was another time where I was just kind of super overwhelmed and he just clocked it and he asked like for a minute and just like took me over the side and he was like, it's okay to say something's wrong. And I just started bawling. And he's just like, he was sensitive. He knew and he was there. And also too, in acting world, like I remember him telling me like, if you're not happy, you can ask for another take. And like you, you, you can say what you want here. It's not just what they want. Like you matter, your voice matters. Do you hear that moms? I know. (laughs) I have chills. Like (laughs) you can ask for another take. Yes. All of us. Yes, absolutely. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, whoa. That's heavier than I even realized it was. Yeah. He was, and he was a wonderful father, a wonderful father. He had a baby girl, you know, a few months before he passed away, unfortunately, but he had married a beautiful woman, Deborah, a year and a half before he passed. And she was amazing and he was happy and he was in a really great place in his life. And, you know, whether people feel like that was the wrong time or the right time, you know, my memories of him are the greatest. And I feel lucky that I got to be, you know, around him as long as I did. I got to see him in LA perform uh, God of Carnage. Mm. And it was a couple months after I had had major, major leg surgery for my tumor. And it was for my birthday. And all my friends and my husband took me. And I remember them helping me like with my crutches down the (laughs) stairs um, to eat afterwards. But it was so special to get the opportunity to see a giant like that yes. on stage. Yes. What a funny play, right? Yeah. And especially now. That was before we had kids. I know. Like now I, I, got, know. I really need to revisit totally. it. Totally. Um, would you let your kids act? Um, If Bo understood what an actor was and actually said the words to me, like, I want to, you know, I want to be an actor. I want to try this. Yeah. I would, because who am I to tell him if he's feeling like a pull towards something that he can't do it? Um, I think I have enough experience enough to protect him. If, But, you know, if he tried it once or twice and didn't enjoy it, mm-hmm. see ya, you know? But he, he's, he loves sports. He's very passionate about it ever since he's like super tiny. I mean, he's been ice skating since he's two and there's nothing he loves more than playing hockey. But he also loves to like, anytime anyone comes over, they have to sit down and we have to watch his like, you know, four song performance. And <laughs> he also has a dream of being in the ki- a kid's bop kid and things like that. So who knows? I mean, but no one in my, f- you could say it's in the blood, but no one in my family was a performer. So I don't know where I came from. Uh, I'm taking Sabrina to see Frozen on Broadway and we're pre-recording this, but I'm taking her to see it on Saturday and we get to do, so my mom won in this awesome auction thing. Sabrina gets to do like a lesson with one of the cast members in like a rehearsal studio before the performance. And we don't have any details and I've been having... (laughs) I mean, there's a lot going on. I mean, I'm writing a show with my husband. Like, there's a lot of crazy things happening. It's going to be in a rehearsal room. They, like, gave us the address, but I have no no other information. 
She's five years old. She's learning how to read, but luckily she's already learned all the words to Frozen, but I just don't know what to expect for her. And I was getting all this anxiety yesterday when I got, when I got to therapy. The first time I got to be able to like make therapy in two months. But I was like, Sabrina's got this thing. And my therapist was like, it's okay, Elliot. And I was like, but should I email them and just ask them like what song she'll be practicing? And she's like, it's okay, Elliot. Yeah. And I'm like, but she doesn't know how to read them. Like, obviously she doesn't know how to read music, right. but she doesn't even know. Like, what if she doesn't know the words? Like I wanted... All of a sudden, I had this need to protect her yeah. because I was so afraid of her because I don't know if other kids will also be learning the lesson. And I didn't want her to be self-conscious because, like, what if it's a bunch of 15-year-olds? Like, suddenly I went into this weird protective of mode. Course, I totally get it. But I think that they know that yeah. she's five and they're going to be well aware. And it doesn't matter. And they're going to help this her. Is- <laughs> and it doesn't matter. It doesn't You're right. Matter. She's going to have it's the time of her like- life. She's going to be an actress. Maybe. Ugh. Yeah. Adam's like, she's going to be a writer, which by the way, now working on, <sighs> so Adam. listeners who don't know, we're, we're writing a sitcom inspired by Atomic Bronze podcast. Like, it's so exciting. Like ABC. Uh, yeah. So awesome. And CBS Studios, and they actually optioned the podcast. So yeah, it's very exciting. But Sabrina keeps interrupting us to tell us like her joke lines. Like she just keeps coming in <sighs> um, to share. <laughs> She'll be an, a well-rounded but, performer. She'll write her own stuff and star in it. Oh, definitely. Uh, but the therapist was had such a great point, which was like, Ellie, this is your opportunity to model to her that none of that that she can have fun, and mm. that there are no stakes to this, mm. and that it like what other people think doesn't matter. Yes, like you don't yes. need to overprepare. You don't need to worry if it doesn't go well. You can shrug your shoulders and be like, Oh, well, that was an experience. Yeah. But like that, you don't need to control it. Because there's always going to be something that doesn't work anyway, yes. right? You know, so like why spend all this energy ahead of time? Because she'll just pick up on that. Totally. You know, and I, I've had to have a talk with my parents because, and I can, and it like made me have this like weird flashback to that they kind of talked to me this mm-hmm. way where they were like, Bo, well, what did people say? Did they say that you were the best? Did they say that you did awesome? And it literally, it made me want to vomit because that's what I got asked all the time. And it made me realize where like my perfectionism might have come from because if if I was any less, then was it not worth it? Mm-hmm. Was it not good enough? And, and it's about how other people perceive it. Exactly. Right? Not it's about not his about, experience. Yeah. And, and that's it really, so hard. And I said and to them, exactly you cannot <laughs> ask him that anymore. I, the only question I want you to ask is if he had fun. That's it. That's all I want to know. And, you know, because he's into sports, he's like the winning and the losing and I'm trying to explain everything. And my husband's very adamant and like not always letting him win. He needs to understand. I mean, he comes from a long line of professional athletes. Yes. Very, very long. And so it's just like this, this thing where you like, want to support him. And if you feel great and you feel feel like a star today. Like I want to support you, but I also don't want it to matter so much. And one thing I feel like Bo lost kind of early, which like kills me is like that innocence where like, I think you and I talked about this at like a birthday party where like, or I, I know I vented to you at a birthday party. And you probably don't remember because it wasn't important was to you, but it was so, no, because <laughs> it was like so important to me to talk to you about it. But that like, you know, kids, you know, four, two, three, four, five, like they have no idea if anybody's watching and they're just being themselves. And I love to watch little kids do that. But Bo, a lot of the time, like looks to see who's watching and I can't change who he is. And then like I, my heart, my head start being like, oh my God, did I do that to him somehow? But like, I don't know. It just makes me sad because I just want him to go through more of life without that because there's plenty of time for that later. 
if that this mom vent is making me feel so much better than therapy because now I'm like, <laughs> oh, because you're not the only one. Because <laughs> I'm not, you're the, not the only, only one. one. And also because it is, it's about, because obviously I don't care what anyone else in that rehearsal hall would think, but it's my fear of her looking her, at them and, and wanting to protect that innocence and that freedom, right? Because yes. when we get those moments alone with them, when we get to see them really fly, like in the, literally in the living room, she's like <laughs> jumping over the couch in the middle of her song and dance. Like it's so beautiful yes. and we can't protect it forever. But I was just afraid that the stakes would feel really high to her all of a sudden. And obviously all my performance anxiety just got well, into it. But, but that even makes if me feel it better. does, then you can have a talk with her after, you know, right. I think I, I can't wait to hear what the experience is. <laughs> I can't either. I think she'll pleasantly surprise you, knowing Sabrina. Knowing Sabrina. Um, <laughs> okay. So we just mentioned the long line of professional athletes that yeah. your sons come from. Your husband, Cutter. Okay. Jamie, what's it like to be with a man under 30? <laughs> <laughs> It can be exhausting sometimes. <laughs> That's not Someone's what in their prime and I'm not in mine anymore. So, hey, 30s is supposed to be our uh, prime, apparently. Isn't it? But I'm also had a baby, no, so yeah, I'm it's tired. The, babies. <laughs> the timing's all off for women sexually, yes, right? Because we totally. are supposed to be like more active in our 30s or more like, like have, enjoy it I have, more. I have like moments. Like a month where it's just great. And then he'll be like, remember that month? And I'm like, yeah, it'll happen again. It's not now anywhere. Yeah. I'd uh, say Adam and I have moments. They just miss each other. Like, yeah. <laughs> so how old was he when you were pregnant with Bo? So uh, Cutter was 23. No. When we got pregnant. And so that was, it was a whoopsie. Bo was a complete accident. We were not trying. We had only been dating nine months. That being well, said, we were engaged after three months. So I love that. Well, we were already talking about getting married, but I didn't know if it was just like, right. I mean, I was 30. He was 22 when we met. I mean, that is so young. So young. And he was playing baseball. He was off. I didn't, I, it was so, you know, I think a lot of it too, when we first met, he was leaving in like three weeks. So there was no games to be played. So we just hung out every day because he was leaving and the age difference and who knows. And we just fell madly in love. And, I think that Bo was a divine blessing for many reasons, but at the timing that it was, because um, I don't know if I would have thought I could make a life and a family with this person because of his age, my own judgments. And I mean, he's, there's never been a question in his mind that he says, and he's completely, you know, acted accordingly. He's the most, respectful, loving, wonderful husband and a really, really awesome dad. And I'm super, super lucky. And I think that, you know, life is all a balance. And I think I was given somebody that just like cares more about me than I even care about myself, I think sometimes, you know, and I think he's with his young age has come with a lot of lessons for me, which I appreciate. And we both had, you know, different experiences and highs and lows. Like when we first met in the three weeks we were dating, I got this pilot and then his dad was put in jail. And it was like this intense moment for the both of us that we were there for each other, barely still getting to know each other. And so there's been an enormous amount of support from day one. And so, I mean, it's just, and look, I mean, we've been together seven years and you know, I mean, there's lows, but there's also these great 
stretches and of feeling so in love. And that's what I remind myself of all the time. And I, Bo asked me the other day, why is, why, what is a wedding ring? And I was like, well, you know, it's a, it's a He's the piece. most romantic little boy. <laughs> I mean, I could get into some crazy questions he's had lately, but I was uh. like, it's a, it's a piece of jewelry you give that just shows that you're married to somebody else. And he's like, well, why is it a circle? And I said, well, that's what makes it fit in your finger. But I said, but I think that sometimes like it just goes round and round. Like sometimes it's, you have bad days. I know you've seen mommy and daddy fight sometimes, but then you other see other days where mommy and daddy like really love each other. And that's, and sometimes you and I disagree, but we really love each other. It's just a circle and it goes around and around and it happens. And I think that I've never been able to be in a relationship this long. And that's why I say like Bo was this blessing to just be like, no, the universe was like, this is your guy. You're sticking here. And it's true. We ha- And through the lows, I just keep remembering those, those highs and that they'll always come back, which is nice. That is really nice. I yeah. feel like you, like in looking at your life online, just stalking you, Jamie, <laughs> uh, in stalking you, I have found <laughs> that your life, I mean, I'm sure I'll compare to other people. Like it feels like there are way more highs and lows than a lot of people that that I know that are our age. Yeah. I mean, we're talking extremes. And I'm curious how you find the balance because you are such a centered person and you you seem so open to it all. That's so nice of you to say, first of all. I think this is where my MS has given me something as opposed to taking something away. It's forced me to kind of slow down and be a little bit more present. I've spent many months, maybe years, dealing with this by myself and and getting really deep and dark with it and feeling really hopeless and at a point of no return. a few different times in my life. And I still have days. I mean, only like a month and a half ago, our mutual friend Nikki like called me up and she was like, I feel like you're in a bad place and I want you to talk to me about it. And I was like, you're right. It's just, it's very hard. I was so used to just dealing with it my own. And I feel like it's such a burden to me and I don't want to be a burden to anybody else. And like, so all my friends are moms and they have their own stuff going on. And I just don't, it's very uncomfortable for me to, put all of my crap out there and expect somebody to help me deal with it, you know, without paying them for it. You know what I mean? But I've just learned the hard way, like ways to sort of manage it and slow down and, you know, through coaching and, and meditation and journaling and books. I mean, a whole toolbox of things that I return to when I feel like I need it. But I think when you see me a lot of the time, like when I'm out, like I just want to forget and I want to look at pretty faces and connect and talk. And I'm, I'm happy when you see me out because I'm happy to be out. I spend a lot of time at home by myself. I really do. And um, especially like once when the baby was born, it was just like, you know, I dealt with postpartum depression with both my kids for sure. And um it's just it it some there are some days where it just takes a lot out of me to even make it out. And um that's a vic but I've tried to come to the place where like, well, that's a victory. And so, 
you know, I make the adjustments I need. Like Bo's, you know, five years old, but I was using a stroller only up until I had the baby because that's what helps me walk through places. Do you know what I mean? And so, you know, being out with other moms and our kids, like that, it just makes me feel involved. It makes me feel present. It makes me feel part of life when there's so many times where I feel like I'm not part of life and I'm like just alone. And so I have, you know, I have the highs and lows like everybody else, you know, with that. But I think that maybe it seems like I have a lot of highs or that I'm, and I am in a good place when you see me, but it's just, if it gives me so much to be out and connecting with people that I love and trust and respect, um, because I've spent enough time, you know, in the other place, I think. Your son, Jack Adam, he's named after your brother who Mm -hmm. passed away. Mm -hmm. How did you come to decide to name him Jack Adam? Well, for some reason, I was convinced I was having a girl at first. And so I knew I was going to pay homage to my brother and I wanted to to in the name and to use it somehow. So for a girl, I had picked the name Amelia with an A because my grandmother, who's 97 and still here, who is like my second mom, is named Amelia. They call her Emmy. So I was going to name a little girl Amelia and call her Millie. You never know if we have another, hopefully, maybe a little girl. But then when we found out I was a little boy, um, I knew just the middle name was going to be Adam. There was no doubt about it. And there's so much of... Bo that I like recognize from my brother, like mm-hmm. their sense of humor. And I'll just think all the time, like, oh my God, Adam would have just died laughing at this. Or he he would, I know he would. And maybe if he's still somewhere watching, seeing like he, Bo is a hilarious kid and he would get a kick out of him. Makes me happy to think about. There are a lot of moms that have been on the podcast who listen to the podcast that struggle with an autoimmune illness. There are other moms who have partners that are struggling either with a disease or addiction or, Mm. you know, there's, oh, there's so many reasons people end up in a very dark place. Yes. (laughs) And sometimes a tiny reason doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what what advice, Jamie, would you give to a partner so that they could be more present and to try to connect with someone who is in, in the darkness? Well, one thing that Cutter and I kind of came to an agreement with in terms with is that although it's in my body, this is something we deal with as a family. And, you know, I felt like so unworthy of love for so long because I felt bad, like putting this on somebody else. And he's somebody who taught me that that's okay. And just this past birthday, he surprised me and had all my friends in my backyard when I got home. And they sat around and they were like, we're going to force you to listen to why we love you and why it's a privilege to love you and why you need to let us help you and love you. And that was all his idea. And that's something he's been trying to teach me and instill in me. And so for a partner, I mean, I, I say to him all the time, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm so sorry you have to deal with this. I'm so sorry. I'm so slow. I'm so sorry. It's harder when we travel because we have to do this or that. And because I do feel that way, I feel bad sometimes. Like I wish that it's enough to worry about your kids. I don't want him to worry about me. You know, if we go on vacation and we're going to the beach, like he has to hold our kid, but then he has to hold me, 
you know, to get me into the water or get me out. And like, I just, it sucks. And, and he doesn't complain, but at the same time, I've told him like, I respect and it's okay if it's, you feel sometimes like it's hard. Like I'm not going to feel bad. Like I want, I want the honesty from him more. Like, I don't want you to tell me it's okay. I would actually feel better if you told me like today was rough because then I just feel like it's that deep breath we both can take where we're honest and we can talk about it. Um, I've encouraged him to talk, whether it's with a therapist or a friend or whatever, like you need to vent about this because it's too much to bear. It's a lot, anything chronic in anybody's life. Like you said, whether it's an illness, whether it's an addiction, it's, it's truly something you deal with as a family. And I don't think that I could deal. I dealt with it on my own for a very long time and it wasn't working. So you do need your network of people. And that that's what's given me the ability to go back to, I've just recently gone back to work and now I'm going to be on a show working more. And it's crazy to think about, but it's because of the support and the communication that I have with my family. And, you know, as my kids get older, you know, they're going to understand. And, you know, we make, like I said, we make the adjustments we need to do. I mean, little things, whether it's a stroller or when Bo was super tiny and I'll have to do a jack too. Like if I'm alone with them, which it's very hard for me to pass my kids off to a nanny when I'm around because I want to be the one that's doing the stuff mm-hmm. with them. But I also don't want them to miss out on things in life. But like if I take them to a park, it's going to be an enclosed park. So if they run, they're not going to run away right. from me and I can't catch them. Like I do that. Yeah. <laughs> like I will only go to an enclosed park because Sabrina was such a sprinter. Yes. Um, but I, that's brilliant. You just have to plan ahead. It just takes extra planning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but there's times like I just texted Cutter a couple of days ago. Like, I really wonder what it would be like to just like not have this in my plate. Like, I think I would be so happy every day. Like, I just... I don't want to say I can't imagine because I want to live in a place where I can imagine and trust and hope that it will happen one day. But like to not have to strategically plan every move or not park far away or worry about my walking or or worry about, or being self-conscious or worry, can I take care of my kids? Worry, you know, just all of this stuff that just hits me from the moment I open my eyes every day. You know, at what four a.m. because we're pre-recording <laughs> oh and it's daylight gosh. savings. <laughs> daylight savings. One of the things I voted on was like, Me "Yay, too. we're yeah. going to get rid of this." Let's I don't try. need it to be light out at nine p.m. or no, whatever it right. is in the summer. I'm fine with it getting dark at seven thirty or eight. Yeah, because you have a nine-month-old, and so yeah, we all. Yeah, it's like these little roosters. Oh my god! <laughs> Literally. Okay, with asking for help. Let's talk about childcare. And obviously I want to give, you know, a shout out to all those mamas out there that are doing this solo. I think I broke down before you, Jamie, with our first children. I didn't have any family out here, but I was also so afraid to ask for help. Like I did have a postpartum doula, Pam, who helped me by teaching me how to bathe Sabrina and got her fingernails and all those basics that we should know, but many of us don't know when we come home with a baby. But in general, I had never hired anyone and it felt weird to imagine having someone in my space and I wanted to do it all by myself. And luckily with my second child, I had already shattered all those illusions. So how about you with your baby Jack versus yeah, just Bo? Yeah, Bo, I had no help as well and no family. And Cutter was playing baseball. And you, how long did you, you did, went like nine months or something with no help. Is that right? Oh, two and a half years. Two and a half years of no help. No help. 
there's something about I don't know what I what I, like what kind of metal I was looking for. I don't know, but I feel like a lot of big like Hollywood people level with me here. I feel because I see it yeah. all in tabloids all the time. It's like these people don't have nannies, and they're all like famous people. Like, what is that? Is that like to prove that they can? Yes. Be be real. I think a little bit. What like is, yeah. So. Like yes. I think to be honest, like I felt proud when I would say like, yeah, I'm I'm doing this all myself. But then I would cry myself to sleep because I was exhausted and I was tired and I had no, nothing for me. I had no time for me. I had, you know, let alone my marriage or my friendships or anything. And I don't know what I was trying to prove. And now I hired a full-time nanny when I was pregnant with Jack. So Bo would get used to her. And it's like a game changer. I don't know what I was thinking, I'm so blessed to be able to afford help and have this because my husband still travels all the time and now I'm starting to travel for work. And I struggled with them wanting, like the fear of them wanting her more than me. I think like because I was the only one with Bo, like our connection still is and was like so intense. It is. And with Jack he's having a different experience and I'm having a different experience. And like, I I know I'm his mommy and no one will ever replace him. And I spend, I'd say 95% of his life has been with me, but there's moments where like, if I leave him with Maria or like he has to spend two or three days with Maria, like I start to get this feeling like, is he going to want her more than me? It's, I know I'm crazy, but it's, it's because I'm getting used to the fact of having somebody else like care for my children what was it like when you just came back shooting in Hawaii? Fine. Everything was fine. I was away for three you know, days and everything was fine. One of the rare times I got to go away to work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shooting Alvin and the Chipmunks, Road Chip, everyone. Yes. If, you, if, if some of you have seen it, <laughs> it's very popular in the preschool set. Sabrina, I don't remember how old she was. Maybe two. I hadn't seen her in like four days. She gave me such a cold shoulder. <gasps> it was terrible. And she the worst part was she did it in front of all my in-laws. Well, that, I feel it's like that's like on brand for Sabrina, though. It was so embarrassing. Was oh, like, that would kill me. I'm so sorry. It was terrible. But it's because she loves you. She was Maybe. like, I'm just going to make you work a little yeah, bit. she's a power left. player. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's, no. that's about me and Sabrina. That has nothing to do with like no. a mother working and <laughs> No, no. Like, what do you work. mean? They're all the, all the experiences are are important, and and we go through all of them. And but I also was thinking, like, it's so great that they love her so much, and they feel safe, and I feel safe with her, and they feel safe with her, and there's nothing wrong with having that in our lives. And by the way, she also takes care of me. You know, she helps me so much, and you know. And she reminded me that, I mean, she's been, she's been doing this for like 30 something years. And she's like, Jamie, I'm here to help when you can't be here, you know? And she's, she's helping me through this process because it's not easy. I didn't let her hold Jack for three weeks. Yeah. What did you say? I, I don't know. I just always kept him and she would be like, let me take him. Like, I was like, nope, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And when he was asleep, I would give him to her. Oh, this is a whole other level. Yeah. It's, but this has something to do with my postpartum stuff too, I think, oh. that I deal with, with, with pregnancies. Yeah. I had a lot of postpartum anxiety was my thing, but. <clears throat> I mean, maybe I, I mean, it gets still a little the, bit of anxiety. Still get the occasional yeah. flare up. 
We all do. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! What these well, hormones do to us? Anxiety also really fast because we should go because we have uh, pick children up. to pick up. <laughs> um, you are very honest on your Instagram posts uh, about being a mother and mm-hmm. your choices, and sometimes things that happen that aren't a choice, but that you're going through. And then there's sometimes because you're. People know who you, because you're famous. <laughs> I mean, it depends. I usually pick up like, did I go to high, did I go to college with you? People are confused oh. when they see my face. <laughs> That's so funny. I was thinking like, yeah, but their, their husbands know who you are. They're like, you were like probably the first poster they had in their room. Oh goodness. Um, how do you manage like the weird comments that you might get or like just and you continue so, to show up? I'm so sensitive to people saying things about me, but not about motherhood. Honestly, motherhood has given me more confidence than anything in the world. Like it's, I've never been one to be like, I'm good at this, but I feel like I'm good at being a mom. I make mistakes. I have guilt. I go to bed being like, oh, I yelled at him too much or, oh, I wasn't patient or all the time, but I know I'm a good mom. And so anything that I put out there motherhood wise, I could care less about anybody else's opinion because I look at my kids and they're happy and they have good hearts. And that's, that's, they are who they are. My only influence is to give them a moral compass, in my opinion. And, but if you want to come in and tell me I'm a bad actress, you'll ruin my day. Like, <laughs> you'll ruin my week or month. Forget about it. But motherhood, it does not matter. It's so easy for me to be open and honest about that because I feel like not enough people are. And I feel like we have to put it on, I mean, think about our, our mother's generation. I mean, they didn't have anything, anyone to look to. It's hard for everyone. It's messy for everyone. And I think that the fact that like you go through so much of it alone and have to do so much and make it like it's all okay, or that you're, you're enjoying it all the time. Like it's just not true. And so it's, it's an opportunity for me to vent, but then it makes me so happy to see all the comments and then see the people talking to each other because that's what it's about. I mean, there's really, you know, hard parts about being a mom and, uh, you know, there's hard parts and great parts of your life. And I choose to share glimpses of all of it uh, because just, you know, it's always changing. But like we said in the circle, it always comes back around. Well, thank you so much, Jamie. Everybody, you can look forward to Jamie's own mom podcast coming soon. We'll have details for you. Yes. Me and my friend, Jenna, we came up with the idea with our second babies texting in the middle of the night, nursing crazy, all this, just writing down things that were confusing us, scaring us, all of the things that are in the first year. That's what we're going to cover. Okay, everybody, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, iTunes itunes.com backslash Atomic Moms, Instagrams at Atomic Moms, our Facebook community. You guys are answering questions for each other. It's really awesome. You can find that on our main Facebook page. Until next week, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, rock on Atomic Moms. Mm